Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Our Big Show. This is Argy Clam Jerry, and we are entering uh, into another week of college football. And this week, the Scarlet Knights will be hosting the number one and ranked and defending champion Ohio State Buckeyes into Piscataway for the first time. Uh, Rutgers coming off of a huge, a huge uh, come-from-behind victory at Indiana last week, a 55-52 game. Uh, that was done on the last play field goal uh, after the Scarlet Knights were trailing by 25 points in the fourth quarter. And just a gutsy, gutsy performance for Rutgers, who, uh, incidentally enough, with that 25-point deficit, uh, matched their 25-point come from behind last year against Maryland. And uh, a huge game. We talked about it last week leading up to uh, what the game meant for both teams uh, with uh, the Indiana and Rutgers uh, both having grueling schedules, that this was uh, a type of game that both teams had to win, and, and both were going into it from the perspective of what would have been if they would have lost. Now, Rutgers, of course, a grueling stretch, which includes Ohio State this week. Uh, the next week, uh, they'll play uh, Wisconsin, uh, then they move up to Michigan and, and Nebraska, and, and it's not easy where you're going to get these wins. But it's very possible now with the, the fact that, uh, you know, many people will will think that you know, the final two games are obviously winnable, Army and Maryland, uh, and that gives you five if you win those, and you need to upset one of these four teams. Uh, so uh, they do host Nebraska, and uh, you know, they do have four losses, so there's a possibility for uh, a, uh, a victory there. And, and the bottom line is, that bowl eligibility is still possible, and it would not have been with that loss. And, of course, we know what the negativity and the types of uh, uh, problems that would have been swirling around the program right now. So this week, uh, the big news in terms of Ohio State was that their quarterback situation a little bit more established uh, than it normally is where we're not seeing the two quarterback. JT Barr was named the starter by Urban Meyer. Uh, I think uh, those who saw him last year uh, when, when Rutgers went up there to uh, Columbus are probably uh, not as thrilled with that selection. But uh, either way, this is the number one team, and there's tons and tons of talent. So uh, I don't think it's a situation where either quarterback uh, would have been uh, making a difference in this type of situation. So wow, we're going to talk a little bit with uh, – I'm, I'm glad, again, to have Shannon Summers of the men of Scarlet and Gray dot com to come on to the show uh, to talk a little bit of the uh, point of view from the Ohio State fans, and uh, he's also making a trip down to uh, Piscataway, so uh, we'll actually get um, some of the thoughts of, of the perception of of uh, Rutgers from the level is being able to see what people in programs or, or these new programs who are visiting 
just got away for the first time, uh, you know, what they think about the program and also the atmosphere that they'll come across. So uh, I'm also welcome and glad to have uh, a friend of the show, Bobby Darren from ScholarNation.com. Uh, and, you know, from the Rutgers perspective, it was uh, obviously a, a great, great comeback, uh, but there were some uh, injuries in particular to Leontay uh, Carew, who's just been outstanding this year. Uh, his numbers really are just startling. Back-to-back, three touchdown games. Already has three three touchdown games this season. Uh, he was banged up uh, while catching his third touchdown. So that'll probably be the big story uh, in terms of, of heading into this game and, and what Rutgers can do. So without further ado, I want to welcome uh, Bobby to, back to the show. Bobby, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jer. Yes, and by the way, you know, obviously we've got to say, uh, you know, in between the fun that we had talking football, you know, there's life and there's a lot of things. And I congratulate you uh, this past week on, on your uh, uh, first child, your daughter that was born. Uh, I'm glad I get to see you in between um, some sleep periods here. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, thank you very much. Been a great week, uh, you know, down here in South Jersey for us. So I guess uh, I'll jump right to it. Um, you know, I don't know if this is another of the dreaded uh, – Game time decisions. I know you know Carew himself uh, came out right away and said, "I will be playing next week." Uh, what is the latest word on his status in terms of uh, availability? Well, you know, uh, Kyle Flood's keeping everything close to the vest. Um, Leontay has not practiced yet this week, and uh, I don't expect any word to leak before the game. Now, I mean, I, I wouldn't really worry from a Rutgers perspective about him practicing. I mean, you know what you get out of Carew. You know, a couple of days on the practice field is not going to, you know, hurt his game, or a couple of days off the practice field is not going to hurt his game. I think the best thing now is just rest. I mean, anyone who saw that game saw, you know, his ankle got kind of rolled on. And, and basically, you know, anybody who's ever played sports and had that, that type of problem just knows the only thing you can do is sit and wait. Sometimes the toughest thing for an athlete to do. So, um, you know, depending upon how, how that heals up will, will depend upon how effective he will be. I, I can see him suiting up and going out there, even if he's not 100%. But, you know, how effective will he be will be the bigger question than whether or not he shows up on the field Saturday night. Yeah, it's a great point because uh, it's Rutgers needs him to be more than just a uh, a decoy, really. I mean, he's, he's been so important to the office in terms of uh, moving the football, and, and, and Rutgers has done a great job on third downs. Uh, and, you know, it, it, this is not the type of team that you can just act as a decoy because there's talent all over the field defensively. So, uh, you know, I think most fans will uh, – We'll go in with the assumption that he will play, but as you say, how effective? Uh, uh, I think obviously Rutgers needs him to be as close to 100% as possible. Yeah, you know, and he just changes the entire complexion of a game. I mean, you've seen what he's done, you know, with the team this year and what they've done without him. I mean, in Michigan State, you know, he scores three touchdowns at Penn State. Without him, they score three points. So um, he just had such another dimension. And, you know, uh, looking forward to the game, you know, if he is healthy, he'll get to go up against Eli Apple, which would be a matchup against one of the best corners, against one of the best receivers in the entire country. So um, that would really be a, a fun matchup to watch, you know, from both sides of the football. But, um, you know, it goes without saying, if Carew is not 100%, it's going to severely limit what Rutgers can do on offense. Right, and of course, a local story in the fact that Eli Apple is a uh, Jersey guy who's recruited uh, uh, from uh, for Rutgers and by Rutgers, I should say. And uh, uh, you know, over the years, I, I think last year he had a really nice interview. And you know, a guy who 
you know, you know, we also saw that last week with uh, Shake uh, Calhoun, uh, guys that you know say, hey, they they like Rutgers as a program, but you know, it wasn't a place for them. But uh, you know, when you have an opportunity to go out there against the best, I think uh, you're right. I mean, that's what Crew is looking for, and uh, he's put up some nice numbers, and these are the type of games to see that also go a long way in terms of putting together a resume and your tape for, uh, uh, you know, the NFL draft. And I know you're a big uh, NFL draft follower, so I think no doubt, uh, uh, you know, he wants to show well today uh, or this weekend for that reason also. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like I said, it would be a great matchup. And I've known Eli since, you know, sophomore year in high school, great kid all around. And, um, you know, he's really thrived out there. And, and, and you know, it, not just Eli, though, that defense, you know, across the board, there's such a high talent level that Rutgers is really going to have to utilize all their, you know, their best players, their best schemes. I mean, they're really going to have to bring everything. And, um, you know, if not, it's going to be tough. Now, you know, we saw, uh, you know, one of the big things that I had going into uh, kind of looking forward into this, this, you know, I say brutal stretch of games where, you know, you're obviously playing, uh, you know, Ohio State and I said, you know, it comes on Wisconsin and uh, uh, Michigan uh, that, you know, there may be times in the game when, when Rutgers, you know, is not going to just be able to play its ball control offense and, uh, and Laviano is going to have to throw the ball and, uh, you know, they got an opportunity to do that against Indiana, and he did respond. Uh, you know, obviously, you'll probably know better, and, you know, the, the strategy is still going to be be able to run the ball with the three backs, and uh, you'll get out there in short yardage situations. But uh, there will be times when it's going to be long down and distances that, uh, you know, Laviano will have to make uh, some, some uh, deeper reads and deeper passes. And, uh, you know, one of the things that was great to see was, you know, Big story this week was Carlton Azidosi, the uh, receiver who came in for Carew and, and really put together a good showing in that fourth quarter. Uh, so, you know, it be interesting to see if, if Rutgers can be able to work in an extra receiver and, and kind of uh, uh, play off of the focus that may be on Carew this week. Yeah, you know, and Carlton, I think, deserves more touches. I mean, he's another one new for a long time in, in recruiting, and, and some schools were shying away from him because his, he had a, you know, his grades weren't the best coming into his junior year. Uh, he turned that around, and, and uh, Rutgers took a chance on him. Just a tremendous athlete, 6'7", former basketball player. I mean, he can go up and get the football, and he plays with such tenacity. He's one of those guys that plays tough, um, you know, isn't afraid to mix it up, isn't afraid to go up against anybody. And it's really great to see him getting a shot because he's a very talented receiver. And, and you know, he plays the same position as Carew, and, and the fact that Rutgers has not utilized him and Carew on the field at the same time, you know, could have been a detriment, you know, to the offense because, you know, this guy can help you out, as you saw last week. So um, he should be able to get some touches. And, and he's the kind of guy, if you just throw up a jump ball, he's going to go get it. Um, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't imagine a scenario where Rutgers didn't move forward and try and utilize it more because he's such a, a, a valuable part of that offense, and he's proven it more and more each week. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of it in terms of a post-hour offense and the type of offense that, that Rutgers does run, there is obviously some complexities in terms of reads. And, uh, you know, if he's playing that same role as Carew, sometimes he's not as easy to jump over into another slot. You know, fans like like to say, hey, just put him out there. But uh, I think, um, you know, to some perspective, it's not as easy as, as it may sound. But, I, I, you know, like you said, that's part of the job of the coaches to find ways to get a guy in the field. So we'll see. I, I, you know, I think uh, offensive coordinator Dan McDaniels has done a good job, especially over the last two weeks. Uh, so we'll be interested to see if they can work him in, you know, as well as getting some touches for for Grant. But 
uh, you know, bottom line, uh, it's still about running the football. And, uh, you know, we were talked about this early in the season that Rutgers was replacing three starters from last year. You know, what's been your take on the uh, offensive line and how they've been gelling, uh, you know, midway through the season? You know, I think the uh, the left side has has been you know the more, the stronger side, and, and a lot of that goes to Keith Lumpkin. I mean, you know, Dory Miller told me that during the game, Lumpkin will tell him, "Look for this, look for this move, look for this move on the stuff." And right before the play goes off, and he's helped him tremendously. Dorian's had a really good year as a first year starter, so I think that line's been solid. The other side has had a little bit of struggles. You know, we talked the last time I was on about you know JJ Denman kind of being a liability in the pass rush against one on one rushers uh, like a silly Calhoun, but you know, he played a really good game last week. He was focusing in on him quite a bit, and, and he really stepped up and, and did a decent job against Indiana. I mean, it's just going to get tougher this week as, you know, Joey Bosa lines up on both ends in a you know, one-on-one matchup with, with Denman. He'll be tested again, but I think he's progressing, and, and you know, Chris Muller's been bitten a little bit by injury. He's playing a little banged up, but um, him and, and Derek Nelson are steadily improving, but I think the left side of that offensive line has solidified itself as a real you know, solid, solid side, but um, the offensive lines get better, and, and they're paving the way for a lot of yards. I mean, if you look at the numbers with Robert Martin and and uh, and Josh Hicks and, and Paul James, already over a thousand yards combined. So um, it, that that is the strength, and I think Rutgers is going to try and go to that against Ohio State. They have some weaknesses up the middle, and if they can exploit that, it really opens things up for the passing game and makes offense a whole lot easier. Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, uh, you know, tonight we're kind of looking at him from the Rutgers perspective, so I definitely will hit up uh, Shannon, who will come on in a little bit and, uh, you know, ask him what some of the weaknesses are of Ohio State. Obviously, there's a number one team in defending champions, so there's not uh, many, but uh, it seems defensively, especially on the line, it's not as stout as it was last year. And, you know, I think Rutgers' only chance that they have in terms of keeping this game uh, close is is being able to run the ball in just those short yardage situations that, that Labiano has done. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked about it about uh, early on, you know, a lot of fans and, and us in particular, you know, uh, maybe wanted to see more of Reddick. And, uh, you know, what's been your take on, on Labiano? Have you seen um, some development or, you know, uh, is it that he just runs this offense the way Rutgers wants it and, and you know, is kind of doing a good job of it of late? Yeah, you know, I, he's progressed. And, and I was a, you know, Reddick lobbyist to, in, in camp from what I saw. And But Labiano's come out and he's progressed each week. You know, and people will say, he takes the short routes, but, you know, he makes the completions. And um, I think at times that hurts a little bit because there are times he needs to stretch the field. But if you look at his production, he, you know, there's been more good than bad. Uh, yeah, he makes some errant throws, but whether you put Laviano or Reddick out there, you know, the first year, your first year starting quarterback is going to make his share of mistakes. The trick is how does he correct his mistakes? How does he respond? Uh, Laviano responded really well last week, you know, uh, close to 400 yards passing. And, um, you know, I'm anxious to see how he fares against Ohio State. This is a big upgrade in competition level, national spotlight. You know, does he make some key throws and and just, you know, let it fly downfield? But, you know, I I don't think anybody can pin – uh, any of the, the, the losses or any of the setbacks of the early season on the quarterback play because Laviano has gone out. He's a first-year starter, and he has improved. He has progressed. He's taken what the defense has given him at times. He hasn't made too many erroneous errors. I mean, yeah, interception here, but that that was going to happen no matter who you put out there because it just comes with the territory of being a first-year starter. But um, I, I think he's progressed nicely through the first half of the year. Yeah, and I think, I, you know, uh, there's something else that we talked in the show in terms of, 
uh, of the advantages of not having to start a, a, a true freshman uh, quarterback where it's, you know, seemed that was the case for the last couple of times when Rutgers had to turn it over. Uh, you know, here's a guy who's a first-time starter, but, but he is a third-year sophomore, and I think uh, some of that maturity uh, does show, you know, in terms of not, oh, you know, fall. I, like you said, there's obviously sometimes they'll go off the back foot or maybe force it in, but it's not it's something that's consistent. So, uh, you know, I think that that's a, that's, that's a great point. Now, you know, we want to focus on the fact that, you know, Rutgers was, <laughs> gave up uh, 52 points in three quarters and, uh, you know, obviously at that point was being lit up as much as you can um, defensively. Uh, you know, Sunfeld just looked like a, a Heisman candidate out there that, you know, yeah, on Saturday uh, up until the fourth quarter. Um, I don't know if it, was, if it was me, and I'm just being an optimist, but, you know, you could almost see the players, you know, once the confidence and the momentum shifted, you know, actually show some improvement. I mean, uh, you know, looking at Isaiah Wharton's interception, which was just huge, and, you know, it was interesting to read about him talking about, you know, when, when uh, uh, Jarius Adams had to come in the game, and, and he was a veteran, you know, as a guy, as a, as a, as a, a you know, redshirt freshman, and, uh, you know, just interesting to see that, you know, there there is some maturing process going through, you know, definitely an embattled secondary. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts on how they played in that fourth quarter uh, that would give some promise uh, going into this game. You know, they, I, they played well. I mean, you know, uh, to make the key play in that game was Sebastian Joseph's stop on that third down play. He doesn't make that play. You know, it, it, it could be a different ending altogether. Um, but they, they, they made the plays when they needed to. And Rutgers has had a history of doing that in some games, you know, giving up a lot of yards, but then, you know, tightening in the red zone. They even did that historically under, under Greg Schiano. But I think last week you saw the sur- struggles come to light against the spread offense, too. When, when teams spread Rutgers out, you know, they just have not fared well in the past. You remember that last year before the Big Ten when they were in the American Conference, they played a lot of spread teams, and they just struggled mightily against them. And for whatever reason, it, it just seems like their their schemes against those spread teams just don't work very well. And you saw that again. I think they're better suited to face, you know, you know more uh, traditional offenses. So this week, you know, um, they're going to have their hands full. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. One thing you could say about them, though, even when they're getting beaten up in those games, they, they still come to play in the fourth quarter and they still fight. They don't give up. So that's, that's a testament to the coaches, even though, you know, some of the schemes may be questionable on the defensive side of the ball. But usually you get the kids that are in there for all four quarters, no matter what's going on. So what is the latest in terms of uh, uh, Bless Austin and his injury, uh, Austin being the uh, true freshman cornerback who, uh, yeah. even prior to yeah. all the arrests and, you know, kicks, you know, departures from the team was kind of in place to be uh, seeing some playing time. So very talented player. You know, uh, he's still questionable too. Uh, it's going to be a game-time decision. But the way things looked last week, you know, he was a little banged up, a little groggy coming off. It just looked like, you know, I wouldn't expect him. To. If I had to bet on it, I wouldn't expect him to. And then that's just a guess. Um, but, you know, that would put Jarius Adams up there, big stage. And, you know, it's it's really getting thrown into the fire. I mean, you know, if you look at all the cornerbacks that Rutgers has lost, how these young guys have performed, it, it, it's really commendable. I think Isaiah Wharton's had a really solid year. Bless Austin is improving. You know, Jarius Adams is going to get his first day. So uh, I think some credit goes to um, Daryl Wilson there, coaching the secondary, because despite Rutgers' defensive struggles, you know, the, the secondary hasn't been that bad. I mean, you know, certain plays they give up 
uh, big passes, but when you're asked to cover guys five, six, seven seconds, I mean, you know, anybody's going to make that completion. So I think some of the lack of pass rush early on made the secondary look a little, uh, you, you know, behind behind the you know behind their game there. But you know, they've been proved. They've been steady. First year starters again. They're going to make some errors, but you know, they've come up with some plays and made some key tackles, some key pass deflections when it's counted. So uh, I think there's a lot of promise in that secondary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about the kind of adversity that the guys that are still there are dealing with. Uh, you know, when you look at a player like Adams, who, you know, probably going into the spring was your, you know, maybe fourth corner, and he's going to be out there stand, starting as a true freshman. Uh, uh, you know, that does concern me. And I think, uh, you know, you probably see a lot of those short passes uh, where they swing it out to especially Braxton Miller and, uh, it's not just the, the the pass coverage, but being able to be physical enough to fight off the receivers and make those tackles, uh, they're going to test them. They're going to test them. They'll test them often. And, and then, obviously, with Barrett, uh, with the ability to run, they're going to need to make tackles on the outside as well. So, uh, a definitely uh, a tough task at hand. Now, there were some other injuries, too, um, you know, uh, most notable in terms of the linebacker play. I mean, by the way, Steve Longer was just amazing and, uh, you know, clearly banged up throughout that game and just, kept going and you saw that way before the the, uh, the comeback started. I mean, I just think guys like that are just, uh, their gutsy performances that, you know, have to uh, inspire others. But the middle linebacker, Tyron Lewis, uh, is banged up um, uh, and, and listed as questionable. If he cannot play, uh, how would they shift that uh, in terms of uh, the linebackers? It would, would longer go back in the middle or would we see uh, more of Lambert no. in certain spots? Uh, you'd see Isaiah Johnson come in and start at the middle. I think, you know, he showed himself to be a formidable back, formidable backup, and he looks like he's going to be a starter next year. And, you know, with him coming in, I don't think they lose a whole lot because you got to remember that passing downs when they bring a nickel in, the middle guy goes out. So, um, you know, I think Isaiah Johnson, he's got two years of, of experience at junior college, at a at high-level junior college at San Francisco uh, College out in California. Um, he's played some pretty good competition out there. He's good you know, through the spring and the summer, uh, Lewis was just a little bit better. But um, I don't think it's a huge drop-off if Lewis can't go because, like I said, sometimes you're going to see them in nickel and dime packages where the middle linebacker isn't even in the game. So um, another one, listen, is questionable. They're going to try and rest them up as much as possible, and it'll be a game-time decision once again. So, you know, obviously, you know, my take on this is you know, Rutgers put on a pretty good show last uh, two weeks ago with Michigan State. Uh, it's a lot to ask for to have that kind of tight ending against Ohio State. But, uh, you know, not in tomorrow victories, but, again, I think there's a situation on ABC for the national, the whole country, to see that they want to be able to put out at least, you know, enough that it's it's not a blowout early like it was last year. or uh, and, and, and it's going to be – it's going to take a lot from these guys. But, uh, you know, special teams last week um, left a lot to be desired with the missed uh, – the blocked uh, extra points and the missed extra points. But, of course – Federico just nailed it down the middle when he had to. Um, it's a staple of Rutgers in terms of blocking kicks. But, uh, you know, what what was going on on, on the other side of it where, you know, just not used to being seen Rutgers in Eckman on the special team side? You know, that's one thing that they usually have an edge on. Um, you know, it, it, it just didn't come to fruition last week. You know, there's been problems with the, with the field goal snaps dating back to last year. Um, that unit is probably the shakiest one of the bunch. You know, uh, Joey Roth punting, you know, he has his ups and downs. I mean, you, you take kind of what you can get from that. This week, special teams, I think the biggest question will be the health of Janarian Grant because he's questionable going into the game too. And 
Now they might be able to compensate for him on offense, but, you know, who's going to return kicks? Um, that's where I think special teams might become, you know, the most key because he's the type of guy who can, you know, score on any given play. Uh, if he's not out there, you know, it, it really hurts Rutgers as well. And, you know, uh, I didn't make mention of it earlier when we were talking about the injuries with Carew. You know, um, he's listed as questionable, might not play. You know, Janarian Grant questionable, might not play. John Simmons is out. You might see uh, a freshman come in there. Juwan Harris could be a guy that makes an appearance. Walk on Vance Matthews could get in there and make some, or you know, get some playing time because, you know, if those injuries do rule these guys out, you know, this is what you're going to have um, going up against the number one team in the country. That's a great point. Now, now, who would return punts in case Grant can't go? You know, that's a great question because John Simmons was the one uh, catching them back there. Um, you know, Justin Goodwin could be a guy that, that they would do it as well. You know, another guy who was fielding punts as a backup the last few years was Desmond Peoples. Obviously, he's not around. But, um, you know, it, it, it's really, you know, if Grant's not out there, I could see them just putting a sure-handed guy back there, maybe a Justin Goodwin, and maybe with some punt blocks. Maybe they do the Karoon uh, like they used to do with Sanu, where they just went all out on the punts and he basically just yeah, the exactly. Ball I, I could definitely see that that occurring. <laughs> you know, just a sure-handed guy back there to catch the football. You know, you know, it could be a, a like I said, a Justin Goodwin, maybe an Andre Patton. Um, you know, it, it remains to be seen. So, you know, before I let you go, um, you know, any any final thoughts on on this game and and uh, you know, kind of what it means for Rutgers and. Uh, uh, you know the opportunity to, I guess, you know, you know, put at least a, a good performance out there for, for you know, a very large audience. You know, same thing we talked about before the Michigan State game. They, they're going to have to, you know, make it look like they're competitive and hang with them. Because if you look at last year's games, you know, they were just annihilated by Michigan State and Ohio State, and now, you know, almost knocking off Michigan State. And if they can stay with the number one team in the country for at least a half, it shows progress. You know what I mean? And uh, they're not going to win the Big Ten their second year into it. But if you can make gradual steps, you know, eventually you can get to where you need to be. So um, I just think, you know, they're going to come out with a lot of energy. But, you know, you're facing, you know, the top-ranked team in the country, so it's going to take more than a little energy. Uh, no one worse there is, no penalties. And you're going to need some guys to make some key plays. Um, if they can do that, I mean, it'll be tough to pull the upset. Stranger things have happened. But um – you know, I, I just think, you know, if they can put up a formidable showing national television, it'll carry a lot of weight. That's a great point. Great. Well, Bobby, I appreciate you coming on. Of course, uh, uh, you know, head right over to scarletnation.com. People check you out also on Twitter. Uh, you know, get out there, get some rest, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing from you in the future. All right. Thanks, Jerry. Have a great week. All right. Thanks a lot. So looking at... Uh, you know, this common theme again here is uh, you know, discussing a little bit about the fact that, uh, you know, we hate, we hate to use the term like, you know, the moral victory and Rutgers is looking to uh, show. But let's, let's be honest, this is a team that won 20 games in a row, uh, pasted Rutgers at Ohio State 56-17. So, uh, you know, it's it's Rutgers is still, you know, playing a little bit with the hands behind the back in terms of, you know, shorthandedness in the secondary. It's It's a lot to ask for. Uh, you know, you hope that definitely offensively they can they can move the ball, but uh, you know, it's it's another opportunity. And there's you know, we always talk about perception on the show, and uh, you know, it, this time it's on the football field, so you really want to have an opportunity to to uh, change some perceptions. And I think it's a little bit of Michigan State, and uh, you know, here's another opportunity. So before we go any further, I want to welcome um, to this back to the show, uh, Shannon Summers of the uh, the Men of Scholar and Gray dot com. Welcome. 
Hey, Jerry, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. Good, good, good. Um, so, you know, last uh, we chatted yesterday on, on your podcast, kind of, you know, educating, uh, you know, I guess uh, try to do our best in educating uh, your followers and Ohio State fans a little bit about Rutgers, you know, what it's about, what they're looking to accomplish. And, uh, you know, I had Bobby talk, and it seems like, you know, they definitely are, you know, this is that meat part of the season, especially the Big Ten season, that it's just so physical and, and, and it's a grind and, you know, injuries start to uh, come out. And, uh, you know, it's, you, you really test your resolve. And I think, uh, uh, you know, obviously Rutgers had a big win last week, uh, but they're going to have to, you know, get right back at it against uh, the number one team in the nation. Uh, you know, before I, you know, start talking a little bit of football, but, uh, you know, in terms of Ohio State's health, uh, you know, what are some of the injuries that are facing them going into this game and anything that may have uh, an impact in terms of what they want to do? Well, I know uh, one of our defensive linemen, uh, Sam Hubbard, he's out with a uh, broken wrist. Um, I think Joshua Perry, who left at the very beginning of the Penn State game this past weekend, he hurt his ankle, but from what I'm seeing and reading, he's uh, probable. Those are the top two that I think are uh, you know, that come to my mind right now. Now, of course, the big news nationally was, uh, you know, Urban Meyer kind of, uh, uh, you know, has has everyone now uh, you know, in tune to his weekly uh, decisions in terms of the quarterback. If it's Cardell Jones, if it's J.T. Barrett, and, you know, makes some time. But this week it was, uh, you know, after a pretty good performance, obviously, last week against Penn State, Barrett was named uh, quarterback. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, a lot of the numbers uh, really, uh, you know, for, for Ohio State and the red zone and, you uh, producing down there were pretty pedestrian for a team that, that, that really, you know, is a number one team. So it seems that that's where he does a lot better in terms of uh, uh, capitalizing on, on field position and scoring when they get down into the red zone. So, uh, you know, was that the primary reason for, for Barrett going with Barrett? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with just the consistency of the offense. You haven't seen any kind of explosiveness that – Everybody's, you know, expecting from Ohio State this year with all the weapons that they have. Now, I know their wide receivers have taken, you know, a big hit with Corey Smith breaking his leg a couple weeks ago in the game, so he's out for the year. Noah Brown, before the season even started, he broke his leg, and he's uh, out for the year. You just, you've, it's a different situation with the wide receivers. You don't have a Devin Smith, the deep threat. Nobody's, you know, stepped forward and, taking control of that position yet, the blocking on the outside from the wide receivers that you had from like Evan Spencer last year, you're not seeing it as well, but it's starting to come around. And I think that this past week against Penn State, you've seen Barrett come walking into the game, and I know he mentioned that he finally got over the hurdle of breaking his ankle when we played uh, Michigan last year. You could see he finally took – control of the team it's his team and you just you you actually seen it happen so i mean i think that played a big part of it he's a huge leader on this team i mean he's only a sophomore and he's voted a captain that's you know that's not really common so in terms of his um you know the, the when he is in obviously you know he he has uh you know on the season already close to 30 carries uh, running the ball, uh, he he seemed you know in terms of his completion percentage on par with Jones, but 
the average yards uh, were were obviously much slower. So Jones is you know stronger arm, big play passer. Uh, Barrett kind of lit up Rutgers last year. Uh, you know there was one play in particular. I, you know not that the game was kind of you know still <laughs> in doubt, but it was you know a close game at a time. Is fourteen to seven. He spun out of a, a potential sack and just you know took it down. And and you just realize you know the type of athlete that he is. Uh, you know, I think I expect to see a lot of that, a lot of Miller on the outside testing the young corners. Um, you know, in terms of the ideal offense that, you know, you mentioned they haven't had any type of continuity in terms of stringing things along. You know, what really is, you know, you expect out of uh, Barrett and, and the Ohio State offense when, you know, what their ideal offense would be? Well, I I know Barrett, when he runs the offense, it's a lot faster it seems to take Jones a lot longer for some reason. He seems to hold on to the ball a lot longer when he's trying to throw it. Barrett has that quickness about him, gets everybody up to the line. I know the offensive line, a lot of uh, what they call themselves the slobs, they came out and said, you know, they'd rather uh, run block than they would uh, pass block. Uh, you know, pla- or can't even speak now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they'd rather run block than pass block. So I, that pay, that plays a lot into the advantages for Barrett. He runs the option a lot better. I mean, way better than Jones did. He, there's so many different things that JT can do, and he's he's really smart. That's you know the biggest thing, the leadership, the smarts. He's almost the whole package. I mean, a lot of people are uh, talking about comparing him to like uh, Russell Wilson and stuff. So it's I it's going to be interesting to see because as far as the option, I mean, you've got Ezekiel Elliott who is a Heisman you know candidate. I think he's got 14 or 15 straight games of uh, 100 yards or more. You're, either Zeke's either going to jump over you, barrel over you, stiff arm you, or you know it's going to be hard getting him down. And then you got to worry about is JT going to keep the ball and run past you or something. It, it's not that he's fast. It's just that he's got a little bit of a quickness to him. Or even got, you know, Braxton Miller, who's got the video game moves and everything. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how this offense plays now with JT from the start and him having the confidence, knowing it's his team, and going forward, this is where we need to be. This is where they're going to go. And I think that we're going to get there and we're going to actually see something spectacular on uh, Saturday. Yeah, no doubt that definitely Rutgers has those hands full uh, when, when Ohio State has the ball. Uh, you know, as we, we talked in chatting on your podcast yesterday, uh, you know, that any chance that they have to keep this game in, in check as long as it can will really fall on the Rutgers offense, on, and, and that is, you know, running the ball, uh, controlling the line of scrimmage from that side, and, and being able to keep in short third-down situations. Uh, you know, last week, um, obviously, it was a 38-10 win over Penn State, but... Uh, former Rutgers commit, I should uh, say, uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, did get out there, get 194 yards. Uh, the defense has put up, uh, you know, they, they've been scored on. Indiana moved the ball. Obviously, Maryland did uh, early in the season. Virginia Tech did. Um, it, it doesn't seem as if it's as stout as last year. I don't know if I'm reading that wrong, but, uh, you know, what has been your take on the defense uh, of play, uh, and, and this particularly against the run this year? Well, you look at the defense and their secondary, it seems a lot better than it was last year. They're 
they're only giving up a, like, what is it, 143, about 144 yards a game. That's pretty good. Their rushing defense is almost 160 yards. I think that's up from last year of, like, 120 or 140, which that's not Ohio State. Ohio State, usually, like, in 2013, I think it was under 100 yards a game. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if it's because the aggressiveness of the defensive line and the linebacker court that they have, they allow them to, you know, just go after the quarterback, go after whatever, and it leaves guys, you know, it leaves zones open, leaves holes open. And like you just said, Barkley last week, the uh, Maryland game, Hills, I think his uh, name is, the quarterback just ran all over us. We've had a problem with stopping the run, especially up the middle, which might play a little bit, you know, some of an advantage in the Rutgers. But the biggest key to that is that they've been able to keep people out of the end zone. That is what's actually helped them. So if they can do that, and it's kind of like a bend but don't break, they might be able to go ahead and be successful, give up the, you know, the big play of, you know, 50 yards, get down into the red zone, couple of plays, and then you got to kick a field goal. So you're really not burning up that much time as you're, you know, hoping. Well, uh, one guy for Rutgers that hasn't had a problem getting into the end zone uh, is uh, Leonte Carew, who's just, uh, you know, been dazzling so far this season, uh, you know, three separate games with three touchdowns. Uh, and uh, he is coming banged up, uh, but, you know, he has said he's going to play, and, you know, that's player talk. But, uh, you know, it's definitely, I would say, has caught everybody's eye, you know, around the Big Ten and I'm sure Ohio State. So, uh, in terms of, of, you know, what is the coverage schemes and who do you think is locking up with him? I, it might be a combination, bouncing between Apple and uh, Conley. I mean, you look at the two of those, and they're pretty much the elite of the Big Ten or, you know, the nation right now. I think it's maybe 14 passes. I can't remember the yardage on the top of my head. I just read off of uh, uh, CFB um, stats or something like that. But they're at the top of the country, and I know, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but didn't uh, he just get done tweeting something indirectly towards Eli Apple, and he said he's going to play hurt no matter what, and he's going to be basically coming after Apple. So it's going to be an interesting matchup in itself. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that was him or a fan, but uh, I think uh, he's definitely uh, going to be, you know, in terms of, not only that, it's just an NFL type of game, too, where you want to help your stats. So if he can do it, uh, he'll be out there. But, uh, yeah, the key would be being able to run the ball. Rutgers has three backs that they use, and uh, they'll, they'll have to attack that middle of the, that defense, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and we try to also get in some other players who are involved. Now, um, we mentioned Hittage there and Grant, uh, their, their electric cover uh, tenant, who also received them, may be banged up. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what the actual uh, you know, play, game plan is. But, you know, we talk a lot about football. It's hard to talk football in this game. To be honest, you know, it, it's just a tough game. Uh, you know, the number one team that still won 20 games in a row, there's not that many uh, deficiencies on, on there. And, and if, you know, Rutgers is going to play well, you know, it's going to have to play football and keep the game close and, uh, you know, hopefully put it on a show. Now, you are heading over to the game, and, and obviously this will be your first time visiting Rutgers. So let me ask you in terms of the fan base, uh, you know, so many people that are making a trip, uh, you know, are being excited. And, and, you know, you know, and be honest, you know, like what's the perception of, of, of Rutgers uh, 
uh, you know, now in its second year in the Big Ten? Well, I think, uh, you know, it was just funny. I was talking to um, one of my friends, Joe Dexter, does uh, Buckeye Battle Cry, works, o- works over there and some uh, stuff for Buckeye Sports Radio. And we were talking about how, obviously, we're huge Buckeye fans and everything, but we kind of have a soft spot for Rutgers. And last year, I know you and I talked, did some, you know, work together and everything. Our preseason, we picked Rutgers to be, unfortunately, at the bottom. And watching what they did, especially when they beat Maryland, or I mean, uh, Michigan, it was kind of interesting. There's something about Rutgers that kind of pulls you in for some reason. Some people, I, I'm not sure what everybody's thinking about it, but it's going to be very interesting going out there. The, nobody's ever been there as far as uh, Ohio State coming out to the birthplace of uh college football it's our first trip out there so i mean it's it's unique it's different i know a lot of us have been just laughing unfortunately at you guys as far as the size of the stadium because you know we're used to playing you know michigan michigan penn state hundred thousand you know in their stadium and i think we're sold out for saturday what fifty two thousand yeah a little you know closer to 54 but no you're right i think um and I, I'm, I'm trying to make my rounds too. I got to get out to uh, Columbus uh, maybe next year, but uh, you know, made it out to Penn State this year, and uh, uh, you know, that was just an amazing atmosphere and, and just you know, a night game, and uh, you know, the traditions too. You know, just the, with the bands and, and everyone in their seats. Uh, you know, that game was like a striped game, and uh, just the Big Ten. It's it's, it's really awesome, and, and I think uh, you know, one thing when you look at the Big Ten and the SCC with these large stadiums. Uh, but, you know, it's not the norm. And, and, you know, there's still only maybe 10, 15 of them in the country. And I think what you'll find is that Rutgers here uh, is one of the better atmospheres, you know, outside of those 100,000 stadiums. And, uh, you know, um, I haven't been to Ohio State, I have to say, but, you know, you'll be see at certain times, as long as the game seems competitive, that it's going to be one of the louder 54,000 uh, fans that are out there. And, uh, so I definitely i am I'm very happy to see that people are making the trip. Um, and it's good, like you mentioned about, you know, potentially uh, always trying to gain new fans. Uh, and, you know, obviously they're not going to become a Rutgers fan, but, you know, certainly we did you guys a, a nice uh, retain your buddies when we knocked off uh, the team from up north, right? So uh, it, right. it's, it's uh, <laughs> You know, you know, it's always been interesting because people always talked about in terms of fit football. This is a team that plays that always ran the ball. It's a tough-minded team. It runs a pro offense. It's not, you know, flashy spread offense. Uh, the defense it was really a defensive-oriented team. I mean, the competition has stepped up, so obviously the defense is struggling. There's also been some issues with, uh, you know, uh, on the defensive backfield in terms of, uh, uh, you know, suspensions and losing players off the team. But uh, it's a defensive-minded team that, guts it out. So, you know, definitely uh, we're just hoping to, uh, you know, show that across. And, uh, you know, the other thing from the perspective of recruiting is these are going to be a ton of recruits at this game, top national players, uh, you know, players like Walker, the running back that, that uh, you know, committed to Ohio State and uh, the number one player in the country, uh, Rashad Gary, like kind of guys that are going to see this game. And, you know, they're not going to change their mind, but, you uh, you're trying to hope that kids in the future say, well, you know, we can hang in with their, these guys now, you know, maybe if I come or two of us come, three of us come, we can do it. So, uh, you know, definitely hope that you guys have a a good trip out here. Now, 
you know, this week, um, you know, last week, I'm sure, you know, I had an eye on the Michigan-Michigan State game. I want to get your, your views on some of the other games, obviously, in the conference. Not, not you know, there's no key game like that. Uh, you know, Michigan State is hosting Indiana. Uh, but a couple of other interesting ones, like uh, I would say Northwestern and Nebraska in, in the West. Uh, and, you know, Penn State and Maryland was just kind of like, you know, Rutgers and Penn State, a little bit of a rivalry game. Uh, you know, what do you think about those two games uh, in the first off with Northwestern and Nebraska? Well, it's interesting. Like I think uh, yesterday when we were on our show, Sal said something about uh, Nebraska might be like one of the best four-loss teams in the country. Mm-hmm. They've taken some hard hits. It's losing at the end just by a Hail Mary, you know, just some crazy stuff that's happened to them. I know that it's a different team from when uh, Pelini was the coach. They don't seem to have that same toughness right now. Although me, they were losing it. That's why he got fired, anyways. But it's Nebraska is going to be you know rebuilding under a new coach with Riley. Northwestern, you can't get a grasp on them because you're sitting at the beginning of the season. You're like, all right, they got a good running back with Johnson. You know they're young. They've got some skill, and they start you know like going knock off Stanford. They're playing really good. Going to Michigan and just. They never even showed up, and it's been downhill ever since. And it reminds me of a few years ago when they were ranked pretty high, and Ohio State goes, excuse me, into Northwestern, and Ohio State just laid a licking on them, and they just, for the next year and a half, just sunk. So I don't know if that's what we're going to see. I'm thinking that Northwest or uh, Nebraska is going to pull this out, especially in front of the home crowd in Lincoln. I'm, I'm definitely going with Nebraska on this one especially those black jerseys that they have. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think I was chatting about that. Uh, that game was one of the more physical games that I can remember. Uh, and, uh, you know, Northwestern is, you know, taking it and giving it too. Uh, but it yeah. was uh, a physical game that I think, uh, you, you know, like you said, it's, it, it wore them out for a while. And, uh, you know, that's, I tell you, I remember even last year when Rutgers went up to Ohio State was uh, just, players running out towards the sidelines and, and guys just getting hit and hit and hit. And you, you know, it's not just the talent that's on this team, but it's also the physicality of these programs. So I uh, definitely know what you mean. So Penn State and Maryland. Well, I think that's the, one, uh, you know, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say that's, that's the biggest thing I think about a lot of people misinterpret about the Big Ten and everything. Yeah, you got your SEC who's got the speed and everything, but you come into Big Ten country you better be packing your lunch because you're going to be hitting, you're going to be beating each other down, and you're going to walk away and you're going to need an ice bath afterwards. No, and it's definitely because I, I look back at, uh, you know, last year and, you know, going the first full cycle through it, the Rutgers again had this kind of same stretch where they had Ohio State, uh, you know, they had Michigan, well, no, Michigan was over as they had Ohio State, Wisconsin, Nebraska in a row, and, you know, it was just brutal. And, and the, the yeah. line... Uh, was just you, know, you could see the pounding, and then you kind of saw it when it flipped around. You know, Maryland was also pretty figured, and when they had a chance in the bowl game to go up against like a, a North Carolina, you know, a middle of the pack ACC team, and then they just totally dominated them like a like a, a Big Ten team. And you realize that that physicality makes you better too. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's just something that I agree. You know, that it's sometimes it, it wasn't always pretty. Maybe ten years ago. Uh, you know, when it was three yards in the dust and a cloud of dust and, you know, out in Pac-10 and Big 12 country, they're tossing the ball over the field. But I think it's kind of now 
as you see with Urban Meyer and the kind of coaching, it's, it's kind of uh, coming together with both physicalness and some of the, uh, I guess, advancements in offensive play. So, but I guess rounding out the other games, uh, you know, the only, you know, Wisconsin at Illinois. Uh, yeah, I think Wisconsin obviously keeps, you know, trying to keep going. Uh, Penn State and Maryland. Maryland, you know, again, that's kind of like they're trying to make a rivalry game, you know, uh, interim coach. Uh, you know, I wonder if Penn State is kind of going into, you know, especially after a disappointing showing uh, with Ohio State last week, whether they're kind of primed in there for potentially, uh, uh, you know, being upset or, you know, not really upset, but, but uh, you know, have to be careful for, for that game. Yeah, I, the biggest thing with that you're not sure exactly what Maryland team is going to show up after the bye week, losing her head coach. I know when they came and played Ohio State, you could see that the players were giving it everything that they had, and they were they were laying it on the line for their coach, basically telling him, we're, we're trying our best and we've got your back. Unfortunately, it wasn't going to be good enough because he was already fired before the game even started from what I've been hearing. So now you got a new coach. You just Maryland doesn't have that much of a talent. It's not the the talent level is not the same as Penn State. Now Hills, the quarterback, he impressed me against Ohio State, but he's not going to be able to run on Penn State like he did with Ohio State. So it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. But I don't see Penn State even after they lost this last week to Ohio State. I don't see them losing to Maryland, and it seems like everybody is, or you know, Penn State's trying to make a rivalry with everybody. They want a rivalry with Ohio State. I think they want a rivalry with you guys. They want a rivalry with Maryland. You know, just shut up and play the game. You don't need to have a rivalry in everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, to their defense, and you won't hear Rutgers fans say this too much. I think more Rutgers and Maryland wants a rivalry with them, and, and they kind of want to, you know not say now nah, we're not rivals with you, we're rivals with Michigan State and, and, and Ohio State. But you know, look in this league, uh that's there's you know, there's really only one big rival and for Ohio State and Michigan. So uh you know, let's um, talk a little bit of course, uh you know, it's it's the middle of the season, uh you know the B C S will be well it's no longer the B C S but you know your your the rankings start to, you know, matter a little bit or you can start to see um some trends coming across, uh, you know, Ohio State's still holding on to this uh, spot. Uh, and Baylor's been getting votes, Utah's been getting votes, TCU, uh, you know, LSU now, you know. So, um, obviously, big game still ahead. Ohio State still has uh, against Michigan and Michigan State. But, you know, how do you see in terms of uh, them, you know, really trying to shake up uh, and hold on to the spot? I mean, in games like this, do they need – to also look pretty for the polls? Unfortunately, for some reason, with the national media, that is the biggest issue. Now, 2001, 2002, that, you know, that area, when Ohio State was barely, they needed a comfort behind win, basically, against Purdue. Every game was close. They made it to the national championship game. They went in just Miami, and, you know, everybody's sitting there like, oh, Miami's so great and everything. Everybody keeps forgetting it doesn't matter if you win by one or if you win by 50, as long as you walk away with a W. You're walking walking around as the national champions. 
everybody that you play, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the children of the poor or whatever you want to call it. The, it could be Kansas who hasn't had a win. Kansas is going to give them everything that they have and then some because it's the number one team. We go walking into Rutgers Stadium on Saturday, it's not that Rutgers is going to lay down. That's not going to happen. They're, Ohio State's got a bullseye on their back. Number one team, national champions come walking into the door. You want to knock them off. You want to be that first team to break the streak. You want to be the first team to say, I beat the national champions. So you're getting 120, 130% from these other teams. Baylor's not getting that from other teams. Oklahoma, TCU, all these other guys are not getting that from these other teams. Ohio State is. Maybe Alabama because they've won championships. LSU, you, you see what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't I agree. think I don't think that the style points should matter, but they might. And I think based on the simple fact that everybody is, you hear it, Ohio State should not be in the top four. Ohio State should not be in the top four. Well, you know what? It's the middle of the season. You don't want to peak at the beginning of the season. You don't want to peak at the middle of the season. You want to peak at the end of the season. They are, it's been a slow process of putting everything together, evolving, working it out, and building. You're about to see the next step this next Saturday. Then they got a bye week. Then they play Minnesota. Then they got Illinois. Then they have two tough games. I mean, this isn't the SEC before you play your rival. You go and play an FCS team. We got to play Michigan State and then Michigan. That's the way the schedule is. We love it. It's great. Everybody says we don't have, you know, have a tough schedule. Kiss my butt, we do. But it's just and uh, they, they showed it last year. You know, like when when you know the obviously how they played in the Big Ten championship, and then you know once they got themselves, I mean, you know, they had to do what they had to do to, to Wisconsin that game, and they did, and and then it got them in there. Once they got in there, they took care of business. So I mean, I, I think it's a good point, but obviously, you well, know, you know I that's funny that. Um, Ahead, I was going to say, that's funny that you brought up the Big Ten Championship because last year Ohio State was having problems against the run. You go into the Big Ten Championship game, what happened against the run against a Heisman candidate that uh, Wisconsin had? You shut him down. So it's, I think they know how to make adjustments as the year goes on and what they need to do. So I don't want to say they're not playing at their full strength or their full capabilities, but I think they're still playing with stuff and working kinks out, and you're going to see it towards the end of the season like it always does. I mean, Urban Myers won three national championships. The guy knows what he's doing. He's one of the best coaches in college football. Definitely. And I think also what, what goes, uh, in, 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 you know, not talking about just the human element, that the expectations were so high. Uh, and, you mm-hmm. you know, you go into a season like, you know, well, well why isn't the offense clicking? You know, it should be scoring 50 points a game. And, you know, that that's right. not really a, a realistic thing. You're going, like you said, you're going into a game, uh, and, you know, you, you're going in these nighttime games, uh, you know, they'll probably have now like three of them in a row, and, and it's just a juiced-up atmosphere for everyone around. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's someone else in there that, that you know, is going to throw punches back. So, uh, it, it's it's tough, but it'll be interesting. And I, I, you know, obviously being a national champion, I think they'll they won't have a problem being in the top four, and uh, people start beating each other up. But you know, another interesting team is Michigan State because uh, you know, again, they had a tough game, close game with Purdue, and they came back. Uh, you know, Rutgers took them to the last minute. Uh, you know, last week was just you know 
crazy, you know, that ending. I mean, they, for all intents and purposes, it was over. But they, they keep winning. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see both those teams undefeated when they play each other. Uh, it just would be a, a really, I think, really fun game for uh, Big Ten fans. I agree. And you look at Michigan State. Who are the two teams that they lost to last year? The two teams that won, that played in the national championship game. And, I mean, two right. years in a row they've been ranked in the top five, and everybody just wants to just basically bury Sparty and just walk past them, and they're not anything. They're not a joke. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good point. They're Oregon, uh, you know, obviously, and Ohio State. So what, what's interesting is Michigan. Uh, you know that game, and especially you got to be scared of it, right? I mean, because no matter what happens to the rest of the season with the team, uh, you know that, that that clip of the guy crying was pretty crazy, right? Uh, you know, I don't know if some of them were getting so out of hand that they were thinking national championship this year, but uh, you know, it's not going to be that easy. But you know, for now, you know, the rest of the season, the goal is to knock off Ohio State. All right, and anytime you know you say nervous or scared a little bit about that team up north, I grew up watching them in the nineties. We were supposed to have some of the top teams in the country picked to go to the national championship game. They weren't that great, and they just come and just whoop on us. So it's a rivalry. You're going to get the best. I'm always it's it's never a given over against them, especially. You watched them last year. They pretty much, I mean, laid down for every. It seemed like they laid down for everybody, and they had their internal struggles. But then all of a sudden, Ohio State and Michigan meet in that game. What happens? It's a dogfight. Yeah, I mean, every kid that goes there goes there for that game. So you know, you know, no matter how down you are, uh, you 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 know, that's pretty much why you're there, and that's what you dreamed about. So uh, you're right. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. Well, listen, Sandra, let me, um, you know, again, I appreciate you coming on the show. I want you to enjoy your trip um, out to uh, the birthplace of college football. And, uh, you know, hope we'll get you back, um, chat a little more at the Buckeyes and uh, your experience uh, in uh, in uh, New Jersey this weekend. Oh, that sounds great. Thanks for having me on, and I can't wait to come down. All right. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks. Of course, that was uh, Shannon. Uh, and check out tomorrow. I'll get you guys uh, the link uh, for this podcast. And as well as uh, what went on there, we've also salsusayer.com. Uh, and, and had a great podcast. Uh, you know, we kind of got to chat and talk about, you know, Rutgers, you know, to fans, and we don't know too much about it. So it was a good time. And, uh, you know, just uh, appreciate Shannon coming in, give some insight. And, you know, it, it's a hard game to talk about. You know, they lost 56 to 17 last year. Uh, Rutgers is really just looking to stay. I think, uh, you know, the, the players want to win this game. And I think that's actually the thing about winning last week is, that, you know, the players are going to go in wanting to, thinking they can win, which is great. Uh, I don't believe they can. I just want a good game and a close game. And, again, to keep chopping like old, you know, we'll use the old channel phrase, chopping the wood, uh, keep chopping keep chopping down on all these perceptions about this program. You know, again, I, I say preach it. You know, they made nine out of ten bowl games. Not, uh, sorry, bowl game in nine out of the last ten years. Uh, it's, a, you know, was eight and five last year. They're three and three this year. Things are kind of potentially turning around in terms of the players playing together. And you just got to get out there and educate people and, and get these uh, top-notch crews staying home. And things will get a lot more fun over the next years. Again, this is RU Fan Jerry. 
I look forward to uh, doing this again next week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.